0: Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Praise the Lord, and everybody said amen. Uh, If you haven't done so yet, why don't you find two or three people and welcome them to the house of the Lord, shake their hand, tell them, man, I'm glad you're here. Oh, make your way to somebody else. What's up, Ethan? I saw you last night, but I didn't talk to you last night. I'm glad to see you today. God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, God bless you. you. may be seated. Thank. I just want to, if I could, to uh, just a couple personal notes. I always, when I have the opportunity to... Uh, be in a service and people do this, it irritates me. But when I'm in the pulpit and somebody in, in someone where I feel emotional, it's like so much fun and I enjoy it. So I guess I'll be the hypocrite today. Allow me a a couple personal uh, moments today. I have to say what an honor it is to be here at the life church again. And I was looking at those old pictures of, of the old church. And I remember preaching in that church. And then, and of course, I've been here. And then now to be back, it's just it's just a great honor to be back in Kansas City. And I thank God for all of you. I thank God for barbecue, and um, uh, but most importantly, I thank God for my family. And if you'd allow me just a moment, uh, it's an honor to be here with my mom and dad, who are my pastor and uh, my 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 pastor, my boss, and my trainer, which is my mother. And um, so uh, it was just—it was great to hear them last night. I thought they did great, and um, and to be here with brother and sister Parkey, it's an honor. And um, the, um, the whole United Pentecostal Church envies Missouri because you guys all love each other and get along at all times, no doubt. Bible College less, and uh, so uh, we certainly. And that was spoke to last night, so give them honor. And to be here with uh, my uncle Stan and Aunt Marlene is just an honor. And what my dad said last night, I can tell you that has been my experience as well, that the Gleesons are the same people in every situation and that's an honor and i thought about the some of the key moments in my life that i go back to i think about things my uncle stan told me i'll share two of them i remember when he took me to my first because of the times picked me up in little rock arkansas in january of 1994 and took me to because of the times we stayed at grandma dyson's house that night and then we went to because of the times and it was there that i decided to go to bible college And uh, to pursue my call in the ministry was at that conference. And then the second time I went over to, uh, he was preaching Mark conference in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is like around 2001, uh, September of 2001. And I remember you told me, I don't know if I've ever told you this. You said, you know what, PJ, if you're ever going to be anything in ministry or anybody who's ever anything in ministry, they have to go through something in their life. I remember you said that. And I remember sitting in the other bed, laying there thinking, I'm not going to go through anything in my life, and I want to do something for God. And uh, there were certainly trials ahead for my wife and I and things that we went through. And I've often thought about, in our journey, I thought about going back to that moment and, and what he said. So it's an honor uh, to be here with them, and I thank you for that. And Pastor Justin and Anna Gleason, are you excited about, about today? Is this going to be incredible? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, and i i we I tell Justin and I often talk about our our heritage and how fortunate we are and and I have told them I told Justin many times I'm like man with with Wendell Gleason and Charles Dyson and Stan and Marlene Gleason, how can you mess this up, Justin? I mean, that is the elite of uh, apostolic heritage and DNA, and we're so fortunate and i can and I can honestly say that um, I I'm so thankful to be family with, with all of you, and, and just, Justin is just a constant rock. And I, I told him last night, I was just in awe of him. Most people would have said, oh, my dad's preached a bunch of good messages at General Conference. Only Justin Gleason would go through with the dates and the titles of every single one of them, and he's such a historian and scholar, and I just thank God for him and, and to uh, we were talking in my family. Um, that you guys could have had anybody be here today and you allowed us to be here today. And so it's an honor. So I greet all of you wonderful saints of the Life Church. If you have your Bible, I'd like to begin in the book of Exodus, if you'd allow me uh, this this morning to direct your attention to the book of Exodus. And we'll begin in chapter number 12. We'll jump around a little bit. And I I always uh, appreciate you uh, with your Bible out. That way, if I get off, uh, Justin will catch me and stand up and say, not so fast, and uh, get me back on track. So just, uh, if you would, Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 12. Of course, we're, as we begin this morning, we see that the nine first plagues of Egypt are complete. And we leap in this morning to our lesson today as we see that a death notice has been given. If you found verse number 12, say, Amen. The Bible says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, everyone say this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, I am the Lord, and the blood, someone say the blood, Blood. shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The Bible would continue in our text, and as Moses would call for the elders of Israel, he would tell them in verse number 21, if you can scan down, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. We see here that now this this idea where the angel would pass over is now given this title, this, this modifier of the lamb, that what would have been ubiquitous, uh, even even now in Egypt, imagine that, this this lamb would now have an, a modifier, an identifier, that it would be the Passover lamb, that they would have identified that that was the lamb's purpose. From the beginning now of this lamb's young life, it would be modified. This lamb would be a purpose. It would be the Passover lamb. 22, take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Someone say in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this, and then it closes by saying, forever. And everyone say amen to the reading of the word of the Lord. Of course, we know that a lamb was brought into these Jews' homes, and after a time, that lamb, spending time in the home, would be sacrificed, and all of the blood from the lamb that was brought into the home would be put into a basin. Now, this this station of the basin is what I want to uh, draw you back to from time to time during our lesson this morning and, and speak to, because it was this transition from the lamb, the Passover lamb, to the basin and then to the doorpost. But this this middle station of the basin interests me this morning because it's interesting now as we see that would be a type of the steps of salvation from Calvary in the New Testament. We see that there had to be obedience. It wasn't just an occurrence that if you'll kill this lamb, then I will pass over you. Just bring the lamb in and kill the lamb. And once that lamb's dead, everybody's good. But there had to be an obedience. There had to be a role, if I, if I could call it that. A role that the individuals, if I, could, if I could say it this way for our purposes this morning, there had to be a role of the family that played in the process of Passover. So if, if the, the plan of salvation was incumbent upon the family's obedience and their application of the blood turn to somebody and say applying the blood <clears throat> so <clears throat> this is critical because after the lamb was slain and the blood was caught there was one critical step that that remained that the blood of the sacrifice had to be applied to the homes of the family that that miraculous word of uh, this is the way you'll get out take the lamb kill the lamb catch the blood apply the blood that that miraculous message if I could say that that it now hung in the balance of whether or not the families and their ability to apply the blood to their to their homes now this is essential because the blood and the death of the lamb did not Caused the Passover. It was the application of the blood that allowed for the Passover. Now this is an astounding idea or suggestion that that a God that turned a 4,000 reverse flowing river, the Nile River, completely into blood had the ability to completely morph that water into a red glowing substance in a moment that he had the ability to do that, but in order to save me and my four kids, he needs my help. I mean, it's unbelievable. When you look back over the plagues, this is some scary stuff. I mean, really bad stuff that went on. He turned every speck of dust in Egypt into a bug now think about that now that wouldn't apply to your house or my house this completely put swiffer out of business every speck into dust he was able to do that but he can't save my house unless he gets my help he killed beasts he populated frogs they're jumping everywhere he brought darkness. That was a little bit creepy. He does, he does all of this stuff, but he can't figure out who's a Jew and who's an Egyptian on his own. No, he needed our help. He needed the help and the participation of the Jews to save the family he didn't do it himself. So we see as God, as he is trying to save Israel, he has to have collaboration. Though he's limitless in power, he insisted, I've got, I can't circumvent my own law. I need to work within your parameters of free moral choice. Let's work together to see that the family could be saved. So the family had to take something that they heard, and make it to something that they did and collaborate. And that was the only thing that brought salvation. Now, obviously, the the application for us this morning is easy. That much like that last night in Egypt, there is certainly a grave danger that's lurking in our streets today. Going door to door as culture claws at our doors, this idea of... And occurrence of postmodernism and false doctrine—it's creeping into every crevice. There's no doubt that every absolute from marriage and gender and different things in life—that that that literally everything that you would have thought would have been gravity—that has now been turned upside down. And in, in the churches is not without consequence, and that as Isaiah envisioned uh, this day, he said in, in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 20 that he talked about this caution to them that would call good evil and evil good. That what he was talking about was he, he continued and said that, that there's a caution or woe to them who are wise in their own eyes. They think they're smart. Turn to somebody and smile. They think they're smart. They think they're wise in their own sight. They justify, watch this, The wicked for reward, and they take away righteousness from the righteous from him. Paul predicted it this way in the second epistle to Timothy. He said, in the last days, perilous times will come. People will be lover of their own selves. How many likes did I get? How many repostings did I get? I had some preachers send me a a video today, and I said, man, you look skinny, buddy. And he said, oh, it's a filter. It makes me look skinny. Wow. He would continue and talk about people that are, that are not true to their commitments. They, they're traitors. They're heady. They're high-minded. They love pleasures and vacation more than they love God and their church. The evil men, seducers, waxing worse and worse. They, they're deceiving. They're being deceived. We have arrived at this last night in Egypt as, as the church. But obviously this morning, as we come today, we, like those 10 virgins that were mentioned in Matthew chapter 25, that we become, someone say, I become stewards of light and time. That's what we are. We're stewards of light and time. We have been entrusted with this lamp at this midnight hour, and it is our job to wait for the bridegroom. It's our job to keep enough oil to keep that wick trim that while the bridegroom tarries, we have to watch. So that's the question this morning. Will we, while the bridegroom tarries in this 11th hour, the last night of Egypt, whatever metaphor you you prefer, that we sit here today and we are pressed with the question, will we slumber or sleep or will we watch and be ready? because as as we see that on this last night this this punishment or this plague will not be exacted upon everybody there won't be logs there won't be there won't be frogs in every house there won't be lice in every crevice but but For this, there will be a Passover. That as the death angel comes, watch the difference in this 10th plague. That when the death angel came to Egypt, what it was going after was the firstborn, the birthright, the authority, the future. That That what was in danger was the future of Egypt and and for for the Israelites and their application of the blood the future of Judaism the future whether or not it would continue it depended upon the obedience of the people of God our future is in is in danger uh, without the application our hope is in danger, continuing the apostolic church, sound doctrine, unity. It is all incumbent upon us and our obedience, or if I could say it this way, our application of the blood that it depends upon. So the good news is this morning is that there is a way of escape, that there is a way for the families of the life church that that we can see judgment pass over us, that through our obedience and through our application of the blood, that it is that application that can cause the judgment, the sword that rattles in the streets to pass over. I want to tell somebody and encourage you today that you do not have to succumb to the doctrines and the philosophies of this world. There is a way of escape. There is a way for those things, those ideas that come to your home, that come to your families, that come to your marriage, that come into your life, that when it comes right up to the door, that that thing that comes to you. It can pass over you and you will be saved. Your birthright is true. Your power and your authority and your future is bright. Why? Because I took the blood and applied it to my life. Oh, clap your hands and thank the Lord for it today. So how do we do this? If we could find a A way. If we could find, like in Nehemiah, those that could not find their name in the register, if they could find a high priest that had the ability, the authority with the Urim and the Thummim, who is it that would have that would be able to come out and be able to have authority? Who could be able to do this for us? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 11 said, but Christ being come and the high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say uh, not of this building, neither by the blood Blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, say the blood of Jesus, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Someone say, for me. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your own conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Jesus Christ and him crucified— Paid the price that he saw this day that we would be facing in the church. And he knew what you'd be going through. He knew what your family, your marriage, your children, your business, your job, your career would face. And he said, I know what will fix it. I will die the death that only the sinless lamb can do. And I will spare you from judgment. Because the blood of Jesus Christ redeems us from all sin. The blood of Jesus, certainly the embodiment of the sacrifice. It's His sacrifice that gives us a chance. His blood over our family's doorposts is what is critical and essential to our salvation. But I want to remind you today that mercy, as we see it and we view Calvary as we did this last couple of weeks, is no doubt. Even this pulpit preached masterfully of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That that mercy is only available through the collaboration of the Lamb and the family. So it's this point that I want to bring to you on this installation weekend as, as Families of the Life Church, which is no doubt for decades, as you heard last night, has been the marker of this great church, and that the families of the Life Church and the strength of the of the families of the Life Church is so notable. But what has been and what will be the thing that will deliver this church into an even greater? As as we talk, that ceiling now becoming the floor, that it hangs on the balance of. Us, the families of the life church, and our ability to apply the blood. To take what the lamb did from the basin and take it to our homes. Turn to somebody and say, we got to get it home. Because the blood can can protect us from the evils of the world. But I, someone say me, I have to apply it to my house. Making the sacrifice is what Jesus did. But applying the sacrifice, the obedience, that's what I do. Verse 13 of that text says, when I see the blood, when I see it out of the basin, not in the lamb, not in the basin. When I see the blood over your homes, over your families, then I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. The Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses. So the truth of the matter is, as we stand here this morning, we've got to understand that what this church provides through the bishop, through the pastor, through the ministries of this church and groups and ministries what that church supplies to you is Jesus Christ and him crucified. This church has for decades preached unto you the whole gospel that, that you have heard even highlighted last night. Three and a half decades of, of everything that all of you and the Gleasons have done together. And what was not included in last night was was any, we're thank God we got through those scandals. We're thank God we got Pastor Stan out of prison. We're so glad that Justin was able to get out of rehab just in time to be installed. You didn't hear about any of that. What was unsaid last night is these guys stay out of trouble. Someone say, Thank you, Jesus. And so they've preached unto you the whole gospel. They have taken Jesus by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They have taken Jesus and they have, by the instruction of God, they have presented unto you Jesus Christ, him crucified. They have told you year after year, sermon after sermon, lesson after lesson, Book after book, they have instructed unto you how to save your family. They, they have said to you, here's this lamb. Jesus Christ that has been slain from the foundation of the world, this can get your family out of trouble. This can save your marriage. This can redeem your neighbor. This will do it. And they take that and they preach unto you the word of God. And the, and Jesus Christ and him crucified and the blood from Calvary flows down the cross and they catch it in the basin. And, and all of this miracle and all of this metaphor and all of this spirituality, it's all given to the mas- into this basin. The blood is caught, but then they give it to you one sermon at a time. And they tell you, now you got to take it home. Nobody, unless I'm, unless I'm unaware of this, uh, Pastor Gleason, Bishop Gleason, you guys straighten me out. But does anybody currently live here at the Life Church? Does anybody live here? Okay. Nobody lives here. All right. So then I can say this. Since nobody lives here, everybody's got to take home what we're preaching today because your doorposts aren't here on the top of the mountain. you got to take what they preach. you got to take it home and you got to apply it to your life, your home. It's all about applying the blood. And everybody said amen. Now when we look at the word of God, we, we know how this, how this works. We, we get this, that, this idea that the family was distinctly ordained to do God's work. Whether it was to, again, in the beginning, to populate, to replenish the earth. Whether we begin at creation, Genesis 1 and 2. We jump to the ark where we have to start over with 8. Chapter, num- chapter number 6 when we talk about Go and populate and replenish the earth. We have to begin again. Then we talk about the New Testament to grow, to evangelize the diaspora after the upper room. <clears throat> that families with the wisdom of elders, the strength of marriage, the armed with children, these weapons in the hand of a, of a mighty warrior. If they collaborate together, they are an imposing force against hell. We know that. Make no mistake that when God wanted to begin what would eventually be the church and the kingdom of God and that would, would, as he drove the New Testament up until the New Testament, what the Old Testament was built, Genesis chapter number 12, a guy named Abram. And he used this family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that, that he would use a family to move forward. That's what God wants to do in your family. God wants He doesn't want to use angels. His preference is to use the family. And so the family is an unbelievable, when it's weaponized, it's an unbelievable force against hell. But also because of that, it is a great target of the enemy. So this idea of birthright, this idea of future, this idea of moving forward, all of those things, hell knows that is what is a danger to the gates of hell so he's going to come against the marriage he's going to come against children he's going to come against our authority, our future our our birthright. so he's going to do anything he can to destroy the family and he does that he specifically tries to work against this idea that all of these constructs are not natural that that the Bible's wrong that it's that this is not how it, how it Work they, and that's why you see in the media that f, that fathers, frankly, are be, always portrayed as buffoons, the goofy guy at the end of the table that everybody laughs at. Don't listen to him. Mothers, they're just birthing people. We certainly they're nagging. We don't we're, they're portrayed as as not a natural, normal mother. That they're portrayed to not be wise. Children, they're encouraged to rethink, rebel. Don't listen to the big people. They're just. We're just told to give them an iPhone, a juice box, no curfews, you're fine. They'll be good. Leave them alone. Let them blossom by themselves. That's what we're told. But, so we see this, this conflict between God's law and the agenda of the world as the Ten Commandments do everything they can. When we see commandments 1, 2, one, two and 4, keep God, his house, his, his name, keep them holy, the Sabbath, father and mother, marriage, all of these things protect, the Ten Commandments protect the family. Conversely, if you violate those, it destroys the family. If you're dishonest, it destroys the family. If you you don't honor your covenant to marriage, it destroys the family. If you're disobedient, all of those things, it destroys the family. And so what God was trying to do is he was trying to design a device that would be able to carry out his will. The family and the enemy was trying to stop the family. That's why in Deuteronomy chapter number six, that as he would preach to them the the truth of the oneness of God and and would give them this. Powerful message that even Simon Peter and the keys of the kingdom would, would unlock salvation in Acts 2.38. It would begin here as he would say, you teach them diligently to your children. That was the miracle in that it was this teaching. It was, he was saying, listen, the blood is in the basin. You've got the law. You've, you have this, this truth, but you have to teach them diligently. Everyone say diligently. To your children. He, He talks about here's the commandments, do them. Fear the Lord, keep the commandments. Hear it and do it. These words will be in your heart. Teach them diligently. All of these were the application of what God had said. The miracle of the next 35 years at the Life Church still remains on this idea of everything that is in this pulpit will be powerful, it will be anointed, but it will mean nothing until you take it and apply it to your house. So this is what I want to tell you this morning in my final few minutes. The word of God created the heavens and the earth. How many believe that? Say, say amen. But to help your family... He's going to need some help. It's unbelievable. God can form and does it every day by the billions, the optic nerve of an ant. (laughs) But if he's going to try to get a 17-year-old who has no curfew, no internet guidelines, runs with whoever he wants, smarts off however he wants, and gets to stay home from church if he has some homework, If he's going to get that kid to heaven, he's going to need a lot of help. God easily, it wasn't even a hard day. God easily formed Anconcagua, one of the seven peaks of earth, 22,000 feet. He easily formed that mountain. It wasn't even difficult for him. But if he's going to get a family to have a strong relationship with God when they take seven vacations, they come to one midweek a month, they don't don't really listen to what their pastor says and they talk bad about him on the way home, he's going to need your help. He can do the most unbelievable, impossible things in the world, but in order to save your family, he needs you to take this home and apply it at your house. It's unbelievable. You look across across creation you see the most unbelievable things you see he i mean he spots a leopard no problem stripes a zebra stretches out the giraffe all that's easy for god literally it's easy for god it happens organically but if he's going to get a marriage to last past its 10th anniversary he's going to need you to apply something at your house he's going to need you to take what pastor justin preaches over the next 35 years take it in the basin Don't analyze it and say, well, you know what, what does this blood really mean? He needs you to take it home and just put it on your house. Apply it to your marriage. Apply it to your parenting. Apply it to your discipleship. Apply it to your evangelism. Your job, my job, is to take the blood, take it home, and apply it to our families. Clap your hands under the Lord and thank God for that. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me lastly. James chapter number one. Here's where we'll close. James chapter number one, verse number 22. This is an apostolic church. You could quote this one. But be ye doers of the word. Someone say doers of the word. Not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But if any, be a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth (laughs) and applieth and does he does it therein he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This man will be blessed in his career, his marriage, his family. If he doesn't just hear the sermon, but he does the sermon, then that man, that woman, they will be blessed. I want to tell you, it's, it's one of the most, in, in my, my time serving with my parents, I've been full-time in ministry for 25 years. At the same church, they're only at 50 this year, so the two of us, we got 75 years. That's a long time. It's one of the most difficult conundrums of, of, of my ministry is that how in the world can two families sit on the same pew, hear the same sermons? They're involved in the same small groups. How in the world did those two fa- one family is blessed, successful, happy, the other family is plagued and tormented and troubled. And I really believed, and, and I, I in looking to the scriptures, I think that the difference is between hearing and doing. That one observes the unbelievable, miraculous power of the cross of Jesus Christ and thanks God that it dripped all the way down. It was caught in a chalice for me. But then the other one takes that basin And they take it home and they apply it in our lives. There'll be two in a field, one taken, one left. Two at a mill, one taken, one left. Just like the days of Noah, the writer said. And the point is, is that you and I, as we sit here at an unbelievable church, I can tell you, you can trust this church. And when that's given to you on a weekly basis, The only thing that now is incumbent upon us is will we take it home and will we apply it to our homes? Will you stand to your feet all over the house? We're going to pray and ask the Lord to help us uh, today. I I want to be respectful to what Brother Parkey is going to uh, say in just a minute, but I want to just have us pray. And I really believe this is the Spirit of the Lord that's so powerfully here already. You can feel it. Amen. If you're willing to apply that to your life, I just want you to lift your hands. Come on. I need some priests of their home to lift up their voice. I need some daughters of Zion. Come on, lift up your voice right now. We're going to make a commitment. I'm going to apply the blood to my life. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, by the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, we know that the price has been paid. The blood of Jesus has been given unto us, but God now it Looks to us, will I apply the blood? I pray in the name of Jesus that I would hear the commandments and do them, that I would teach them diligently unto my children, that I would take the blood that is in the basin and that I would apply it. Let me rub it on the doorposts of my marriage, let me smear it on the lintel, God of my family. My children, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd come in here right now. Strengthen this great church. Lord God, I have received that prophecy today. Let the ceiling that God has been great, Lord, let it be the floor of what now they will do moving forward. Come on, that's it. Will you lift up your voice and say, God, let it be in me. God, let it be in my family. God, let it be here in this house in the name of Jesus.